Welcome to History Notes, a podcast from the Greensboro History Museum, where we are making history by talking history. History Notes is created by the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum, located at 130 Summit Avenue, Greensboro. History Notes intends to provide instructional resources for our area educators and content for all learners both in and out of the classroom. From K-12 to graduate-level students, teachers, administrators, and the overall community, History Notes is for you. Let's examine the individuals, trends, and events that have helped shape who we are today. And don't forget to take notes. It's now time for History Notes. Welcome to History Notes, a podcast produced by the Greensboro History Museum. Today we are with Anna Allman, who just completed her first year of teaching world history and civics and economics at Durham Public Schools. I'm Kara Old, an intern from Appalachian State. And I am Katherine Johns, one of the education specialists at the Greensboro History Museum. Welcome, Ms. Allman. How are you? Hi, everyone. I'm doing really well. Thanks. Ms. Allman is joining us on the phone, so we apologize if there is any difficulties in hearing her. So, Ms. Allman, what made you decide to pursue a track in education? Oh, man. Well, obviously, I wanted to be really rich and famous, so I was like, education is the way for me. Um, But in all seriousness, um, education has some of everything that I wanted in a job, right? It has some predictability, but it's not the exact same thing every single day. Um, It gave me the chance to work with others, but also have some time to just do what I need to do. Um, And it gives me the chance to lead, but also be able to be a follower and learn from those who have been in the profession for so long. And again, it's like, I know sort of what to expect when I go into work that day, right? Because I've planned or because I already know it's, you know, standardized testing or something like that. But at the end of the day, if I wake up and I'm like, no, I think we should do this today instead, I have the freedom to do that. That's awesome. Yeah. So of all the subjects you could teach, why history? Um, some of it was because I love history and some of it is because it's a process of elimination. I could never teach math. I would be literally a detriment to the state of North Carolina if someone put me in a math classroom. I'm um, sure not. But I think also for a lot of teachers, I'm sure they have similar stories. At one point, they had a teacher that made them realize that this subject was not what they thought, right? So starting, it was my eighth grade year, I had a history teacher and she heard me saying, that history is just a bunch of dead people, so we don't have to learn about it because it doesn't ever change. And she looked at me and she said, I'm going to change your mind about that. And, you know, eighth graders, I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, but let me tell you, she won. She totally did change my mind. Um, and, you know, I was really fortunate to have great teachers um, in history, especially in high school, too. And so it was something where their classroom was like fun and I felt safe and supported and I also learned so much Um, and I had the chance to be a teaching assistant actually not Mm. for a history class but for my high school uh, chorus program which is really big and very successful and so that was a really great introduction to can you um, take this attendance can you grade these papers can you learn all of these names can you make sure that these people aren't late Um, And I was like, this is like my favorite part of the day is when I get to do this. So that really set me up well 
uh, to go to Appalachian and know what I wanted to study. Awesome. Yeah, to identify my bias, I actually know Miss Allman. She graduated from the same program at App State with history education as I am right now. So, go Mountaineers. Go Neers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Overall, how did your first year of teaching go? Overall, really well. I never had students, like, throw anything at me or any parents say, you shouldn't be here. So, successes. Um, I Like Kara mentioned earlier, I was doing world history and civics and economics. So, that meant I was dealing with freshmen and then mostly seniors. And so, um, I'm really proud to say that all of the seniors I taught, for the most part, um, passed and graduated and uh, I learned a lot from them. Hopefully they learned a lot from me too. And I'm definitely ready for year two as much as I can be anyway. And Anna, in your first year, what was your favorite unit to teach to your students? Oh man. Okay. For my world history students, it was absolutely our unit on ancient civilizations. Mm. So when I did world history, we focused on some like core ancient civilizations that would in turn inspire other civilizations and even like our society today. So we would look at, you know, ancient Egypt, the Aztecs, the Mayans, ancient India, ancient China, that kind of stuff. Um, and I really loved getting to teach that to my freshmen. Freshmen are in some ways like the cutest ever because they're so scared of high school. Um, <laughs> and so you have that like, but in eighth grade, it was this sort of moment. And you're like, this isn't eighth grade anymore, sweetheart, you know, those kind of moments. Um, but we had a really good time like building those stories and discovering how much of what they did still impacts us today. For sure. civics, it probably would have been... Uh, probably my intro to economics unit, right? So civics and economics, half of it is civics, how our government works, and half of it is economics, how to, in my, I always say it's how to not be stupid with money. Um, <laughs> and so we did some really fun trading games, um, or this first unit in economics to get them to talk about, um, not only like scarcity, but also like where is it that you can make a profit in this situation or mm -hmm. where is it that you're going to lose money no matter what you do? Um, it was a lot of hands-on things, which I really liked and hopefully we'll get to do more of in the future. I think the hands-on is really important with teaching economics. Absolutely. So, oh yeah, you would be so surprised how many of my students when like they if they had debit or credit cards like had it signed the back of them, and I was like, okay, everyone take them out right now in class. <laughs> we will be signing our cards together. Oh Thank you. I'm more shocked that high school students have credit or debit cards, yeah. but that's uh, just showing my age. I think. <laughs> oh yeah, a good number of them do, since a lot of them work um, after school. So a good number yes. of them do. So since we can't see you in action teaching, can you describe to us what a day in your classroom looks like? Sure. Um, so just to give you some context, my classroom is, they call it a mobile classroom. Everyone else calls it a trailer. Yes. Um, so my classroom is outside of the main building. So I stand at the door and I greet my students as they come in. Um, they will pick up whatever papers they need to pick up for the day on the way in. And they will go, I have tables in my classroom, so they'll take their seat at their table. They'll do a warm-up. When they have finished the warm-up, they will come to my desk and I have a variety of stamps. So I will stamp their warm-up. Um, for those warm-ups, it is mostly completion, right? I'm not going to not give you a stamp if you got the answer wrong. Um, 
and that's how I do participation in my class. I didn't feel good about saying, oh, if you didn't answer a question today, you don't get points. So if you do the warm-up, you participated. Um, from there, we will we will go over the warm-up every single day. I'll do any kind of what I call housekeeping notes, which would be reminding them, like, uh, you have a test next week. If you weren't here yesterday, get your, you know, whatever it is from this area of my classroom, that kind of stuff. And then from there, we transition into whatever the direct instruction looks like for the day. Um, in this first year, I definitely did more notes than I wanted to. And partly it's because, you know, that's what my mentor teacher supplied to me or that's yeah. what other people did with this unit. Um, but sometimes it would be, um, right, like everyone, like, get out. Uh, this map and let's go through and label our maps together like that kind of stuff with my freshmen and then once we are done with direct instruction usually we do it in like 20 minute segments at a time um, we will transition into some kind of reinforcement activity mm -hmm. um, so that would be where I see the hands-on activities or you know with the people at your table create something that you know demonstrates this or that or the other that kind of stuff um, the end of my class is definitely something I want to work on for year two, um, like doing some kind of like exit ticket or wrap up activity. Um, there definitely was a weakness there this year where sometimes they would be like, okay, we're done now what sort of moments. Um, <laughs> but usually we can time it pretty well so that by the time the activity is done and they've done some kind of reflection on it, they can turn it in and then packed up so that they're ready when the bell rings. And I, my school is on a block schedule, so I have them for an hour and a half every day for one semester. It sounds very well thought out how you use your time. You don't seem to waste any of it. And it's cool that you. Not to, yeah. It's cool that you've identified <laughs> what you want to work on for this next some this next year, and it'll be exciting mm -hmm. to see how you continue to grow in this environment. It's a huge uh, yeah, kudos, sure. huge kudos to any first year teachers who come in and somehow both teach the curriculum and just somehow write their own lesson plans entirely off of no one else. Oh yeah. I. Oh man, I literally. Oh, I would have been in a world of hurt if I didn't have such good. Uh, other people in my not only in my content area but just in my staff in general to help me out yeah oh. there's a lot of props for the teachers who are like i was given nothing i was like oh man absolutely that is a boulder to carry through the year and i i have absolutely no idea how they do it it's just amazing mm. and how are the students receiving the content that you're teaching um Overall, they receive it pretty well. It's um, sometimes a blessing and sometimes a curse that we are teaching civics in this era. Um, oh, yeah. So I have a lot of students who want to follow politics, and I have some students who basically have no exposure to it. Like, they don't talk about it with their family, and they don't, like, watch the news or anything like that. Um, so I definitely can see some uh, challenges in just – what background knowledge my students bring to the table. Sure. Um, I see it a lot in economics, like when we talk about supply and demand curves, like we talk about if there is a huge drought, for example, mm -hmm. and no corn grows, like show me what that would do to our supply and then demand of corn. And so some of my students have already taken, for example, like AP macroeconomics or AP microeconomics. So they have this, they know it. 
And then some of my students don't even really have a grasp of what the word drought means because English is their second language, right? And so I definitely see it a lot in that unit of if they miss that first day when we talk about it, it's really hard for them to jump back in with what the difference is between our supply curves and our demand curves. Um, And so I see it a lot there versus when we do things that they already sort of have a grasp on, they just don't know it yet. So, like, we talk about what can cause consumer tastes to change, and that they get really well because they live in it every day. They just don't know it, right? So I don't know if it's this way in Greensboro. Almost all of my students, it feels like, have a pair of Crocs. Crocs (laughs) are a really popular shoe, even though they weren't. (laughs) like five or six years ago, right? And so I say Crocs is making more money now because the demand has changed in their favor, right? The consumer taste has changed in a way that you find young people that some of you have some sort of disposable income now want to spend your money on those weird looking clown shoes. So like <laughs> those kind of things, they get better than things that they feel like they don't have a connection to. So my challenge is how do I get them to connect to these things, especially if they aren't in class every day? Taking abstract concepts and putting them into the concrete real world is a boon of ability to have in a classroom. Yeah. And it's the best way to handle whatever they they struggle with to make sure it has a connection to their life. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, sometimes challenging because... You know, I think all of my students will know this, and then, like, half of them are like, what is that? Like, oh, my God, I was talking about the 2000 election at one point. Oh, no. And they were like, we weren't born when that happened. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this information. Okay, thanks. I guess we'll talk about neopets and they were like what is that and i was like oh my god how do i uh iphones and they were like yes that we're with and i was like okay cool got it gotta go with those longer trends in technology (laughs) so we have been talking with first year educator anna allman let's take a brief pause and when we return we'll talk more with miss allman about her general experience being a social studies teacher You are listening to History Notes, a production of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. To discover and learn more about the discussion and our exhibits, visit the Greensboro History Museum, located at 130 Summit Avenue in Greensboro, or visit greensborohistory.org. That's greensborohistory.org. Now let's get back to History Notes. We are back with Ms. Allman on history notes so with the classes you have taught and the classes you're about to teach as a new teacher only a short while ago you took these classes yourself in high school have you noticed any significant changes in world history and civics and economics and how it's taught since you last took it absolutely i have um so when i was in high school i was the last or maybe second to last group of uh graduating kids that graduated taking only three history courses instead of four. So when I was in high school, it was world history, American history, civics, and then you were done. But now Hmm. they've split American history, and so now you do world history, American one, American two, and then civics. So when I was in high school, you took civics as a sophomore, but now civics is a senior-level course, 
Um, so that definitely has changed just because you are teaching it to kids who have had two more years of school under the belt, hopefully two more years to mature and grow. Um, in terms of content though, the one that's changed the most has definitely been the American histories. So because they split it into two, they do basically like Columbus through reconstruction as American one and then reconstruction through today as American Mm -hmm. two. And so because you now have one whole semester to cover one chunk versus both of them together, you can really expand and go more into um, like narrative studies and more emphasis on groups that maybe were glossed over when it was just one big American history. Yes. Um, World history. There's definitely been a shift in, trying to not make it quite so Eurocentric Mm -hmm. and we have had progress, but progress is slow. Um, so it's changing, but it's not quite as drastic of a difference as you see in the American histories, I would say. Sure. And this is not taking into consideration the AP courses. Correct. That's not even getting into the AP social studies, which could be, you know, AP U.S. history, Mm -hmm. AP Gov, Mm -hmm. AP Psych is an AP history course. Yeah, all kinds. And they have AP European history, which I hear was one of the worst AP classes you could take. Correct. We actually don't offer AP Euro at my school anymore. The teacher who used to teach it has left, but we do offer AP World. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got some global focus happening. Um, and definitely the kids who take those AP history courses, it's a lot of reading and writing, but they all seem to learn from it. So that's good. So the progress of the changes seems to be good overall. I would say yes. So, and as a new teacher, were there any challenges that you faced that you were not anticipating? (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I think the biggest one would be what we call absenteeism. So that's when kids miss either just your class or the whole school day for longer than like the average student right because Mm. everyone gets sick everyone goes out of town like that Mm. kind of stuff is normal but I had uh, I had some students who I would see them maybe once a week maybe so they're missing four days and showing up for the fifth or I would have one student who I wouldn't see for you know weeks at a time and I would Mm. contact his other teachers and try to get in touch with um his adults at home and there was nothing it was like radio silence no one had seen him no one had heard from him and so it's that moment of what am I supposed to do with this kid I like at that point it's like are they safe like what is it I can do mm-hmm. um for the kids who simply don't come to school and there's so many reasons why kids don't come to school it would take Absolutely. literally a whole nother podcast for us to get into that oh, yeah. but that definitely is something that I felt unprepared for mm. and also sort of helpless to deal with as it was happening to me where and where do you kind of feel supported in social studies as a teacher Okay, I'm really lucky because my other social studies teacher at my school, all of them are fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, I have what I feel like is really good support from the district level. So like Durham Public Schools has people who are in charge of secondary history for like our whole district. And I feel a lot of support from them. Mm -hmm. When we go up to the state level, 
I wouldn't say that I feel a whole lot of support there. Mm. Um, recently, they've been debating a bill that would change civics and economics and um, make basically a personal finance course another requirement, hmm. um, which in theory sounds like a good idea, right? You want kids to be smart about how they spend money, especially as they leave high school and go into the real world. Absolutely. But the way they would do it would just, in my opinion, not be effective and especially not be um, something that is reasonably doable for the history teachers across the state. And so that has been challenging to feel like I have support in my school, I have support in my district, but when you get to the state, who's listening to me? That's definitely been challenging. Yes. And so do you have any hope about the government passing legislature that actually might help you in any way? Um, I do have hope, but I also do have concerns, right? So this whole... Uh, conversation about should we allow teachers to have firearms on campus that's really concerning to me I am like five four almost all of my students are taller than me so the fact that someone is like hey do you want to bring a weapon to school that makes me nervous and I'm the one who would be trained and be given the weapon so I have concerns with some of the things that people are talking about but I also have you know hope that in the future we will get legislation that protects um, different liberties for all students and all teachers and hopefully um, sees more, I'll say, respect um, for the education track, whether you are a classroom teacher or um, an assistant or anything like that. And for those that don't know, we're to switch it a little bit. As a high school social studies teacher, do you get as many opportunities to sort of take your students into historical environments as you would like? Do you get to do field trips or have some other resources that you might be able to immerse them in? Mm, great question. Um, in terms of infrastructure, there is infrastructure there for me to take my students on field trips. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't take my students anywhere as a first year teacher. Most of the time I was just pleased that they made it to my classroom safely. (laughs) Um, So I wasn't about to try and put them on a bus and take them somewhere. Um, But I know there definitely is support for me to do that if that's something I wanted to do. Um, People take our high schoolers on field trips, I'd say pretty often, depending on the subject. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, I know three history teachers this past semester, um, they took a field trip to go um, see the movie The Best of Enemies, which Uh, is about um, Durham being desegregated with um, Taraji P. Henson in it. So Mm -hmm. that was a field trip that they took that they organized together. Um, But I would say it is challenging to find the time Mm -hmm. when you can say, okay, I can sacrifice this day to go take them on this excursion, right? Because you have to weigh um, the time that it would take and also sometimes the money involved and who's going to transport us there, how long are we going to be gone. Mm -hmm. And then you have to also consider so many other school requirements, right? So, like, you can't take anyone on this day because that's the PSAT for all of our sophomores or Mm -hmm. something like that. So I feel like if you can successfully juggle the requirements, then yes, I do feel support to do it. But that was not something I felt confident doing as a first-year teacher. I have a 
slightly adjacent question to that, and it, that is when things like sports come up in the school year and you have students who need to take time off of class to go away for different games that might be played, do Mm -hmm. you feel like they're missing out on the classroom experience because of those? I, overall, our sports teams are really nice about if they have to miss class, it is only the last hour or so of the school day. So it only affects their fourth period. Now, obviously, it's frustrating when, you know, three out of five days that week, they've had to leave early. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say that there is a really good policy of it's on the student to make up the things that they miss. And we always know either the day before or the morning of who it is that will have to be leaving and when they have to go. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not like I ever was caught like by surprise by like a student athlete standing up and be like, Hey, I have to leave. Like I always knew who was going to have to leave when, Mm -hmm. um, I would say for the most part, again, I was teaching mostly seniors, so Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say they were missing out on too much, but also at this point, they'd been doing it for some of them all four years, Mm -hmm. so they were really good about going to their games and coming back the next day and making up whatever it was. Um, There definitely were some days, though, where like we would start an activity or something, and then they'd be like okay, so I have to leave, so, like, how should I finish finish this, right? Should oh. I take it with me? But also, if, you know, if it's a group activity or something that I'm using, like, classroom materials, like, how do they make it up? Um, and that mm-hmm. definitely was challenging. Uh, but, again, for the most part, my student athletes were very responsible at being, like, can I come finish this tomorrow or, you know, that kind of stuff. On the flip side of that, do you find that the student athletes are the least likely to be those randomly absent students? I would say no. Um, Mm. The people, the students who are involved either with a sport or a club or like the arts are usually the ones who I see have, uh, I'll say better attendance. It doesn't mean they have perfect attendance, but I will say they have better. And Mm -hmm. so one of the pushes that my school is going through right now is try to get everyone, they're going to hopefully start with freshmen this upcoming year, Mm -hmm. try and get everyone involved in something, whether it's a sport or a club or the arts, so that they do feel more connected to school. Because we see that if you're connected to school besides just that's the school I go to to study stuff, Mm -hmm. that they are more likely to show up and do better. Absolutely. Good advice for college, too. Mm, Yes. So I have one final question for you. Okay. Why is it important that students continue to learn about history in and out of the classroom? Great question. And my students ask me this all the time. Some of them Mm. because they are trying to be annoying and some of them because they genuinely don't understand. Right. Mm. So I get this question a lot. Why do we have to learn about this? I can just Google it. That comes up all the time. Like, why do I need to know who was president this year? I can Google it anytime I need to know, right? And so we've, I've tried to kind of get them in this thing of, I'm not asking you to memorize specific years, specific dates, that kind of stuff, because you can just Google it. And sometimes even I have to Google it, right? Yes. But what I'm trying to get them to do is look at the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. So our past informs our present, right? They want to talk about how did our political situation get like this? The answers are in history. You just have to look at it. 
our history can help us celebrate what we've done well, can help us remember, man, I would not be here if it were not for the people who fought for me to have this right. Right. And so like absolutely that I think can have a lot of pride, Mm -hmm. but it also can be something where we can say our country for many years did this or we did this atrocity. How can we learn from that? How did people at the time react? What parallels do we see? So I'm not asking them to memorize dates because you can Google it. I'm asking them to look at patterns, to study the people before them so that they know for some of them where they came from, how Mm -hmm. they ended up here. And for some other ones, how our society ended up here and what we can do to better it moving forward. Awesome. Wonderful answer. It is history is more than names and faces. It is also very personal. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I mean, some of my students sometimes try and be, you know, cheeky and say like, oh, well, who was president this year? And I'll just say a name. Sometimes I know it's right. Sometimes I don't. But here's the thing. They oh, no. don't know it either. And oh, then no. it makes me look cool. So, you know, success is where you can find them. <laughs> and it sounds like you've had a great first year teaching and you've made a great impact on these students. And we hope that second year is going to go just as well. Thank you very much. I certainly hope so. I feel prepared supported all i gotta do is uh rest up and get ready and let's go ahead and promo uh, since it is coming up that the greensboro history museum will be opening the american democracy exhibit on december 7th and that is another great place for teachers of all kinds to come and experience the political machinations of the united states in history oh yes december 7th the anniversary of pearl harbor look at you history museum you're doing it Yeah, we're trying so hard. (laughs) Well, thank you for listening to History Notes, and thank you to our guests. Be sure to come by the museum. Admission is free, and we're open Tuesday through Sunday. Also, our website where you can find the History Notes podcast is greensboehistory.org. History Notes is a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. Thank you for listening to History Notes, a podcast from the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. The Education Department offers several resources for learners both in and out of the classroom. Learn more at greensborohistory.org. Then select the Discover and Learn tab at the top of the homepage. You may schedule a tour, a field trip, or reserve an education trunk for your next lesson. Daily visitors can stop by the museum at 130 Summit Avenue in Greensboro. Admission is free. You've been listening to History Notes, where we are making history by talking history. Tune in next month for a new topic, new discussion, and new insight. This has been History Notes.